Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 576, air date April 16th, 2020. Um, I'm uh, bringing people up on YouTube. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. I have an uh, important uh, interview that I'm doing today with the number one uh, largest independent TV station, Pandora TV in Italy. So we're going to have a conversation, bring people up to date about uh, what's going on with the coronavirus. We're going to have a discussion about what's going on in Italy, but really emphasize uh, one of the important central points about the deep state and the interconnection between the Gates Foundation and the Clinton Global Initiative. These people are really part of the deep state. They're basically two sides of the same coin. So we're going to have a, a discussion. I want to introduce uh, Umberto from, uh, from uh, Pandora TV. Go ahead, Umberto. Take it away. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Shiva. Uh, welcome to Pandora TV. Uh, our TV is uh, an independent TV, really independent, and so it's reaching a large growing movement in Italy. And lately, your interview, your last interview with the Next News Network really went viral, and uh, we, we receive a lot of requests about what's the Dr. Shiva Ayadure Solution. Uh, our TV was created by a former member of the European Parliament, Giulietto Chiesa, who uh, is followed by people from the left and from the right because he's always uh, attacking exactly those forces that you are putting under your scalpel now. And uh, now in Italy, people are beginning to wake up from the hypnosis of the panic, induced real panic, and they see a demonstration in the US, people are protesting. There are also protests in Italy, you begin to, to see protests in Italy. And uh, I would like to discuss several aspects of uh, what you are doing uh, as a future senator for Massachusetts, uh, but especially, you know, what you can say on the relation between uh, Italy, Europe, and U.S. against the common enemy, this deep state you were uh, stressing about. You are an authority from a medical standpoint, from a political standpoint. You have a deep knowledge of how the so-called digital mafia works, the difference between the people who take over the idea of father and the people that create a new solution, new invention, and then they are stolen. And you are also part, the last thing I want to say, you are part of a new breed of uh, candidates or politicians. People that don't believe anymore in the fake dichotomy between the neoconservative and the neoliberals, they, uh, for what I understand, they see that they are both controlled by the same, uh, the same groups. Uh, like uh, the other example is uh, Diana Lorraine in uh, California. Uh, let's start with uh, a crucial uh, question. I can see now a Trump against Bill Gates slash Hillary uh, forces and other people linked to these forces, like the most evident is Dr. Fauci. We are circulating your petition in Italy. and. So, do you think Fauci has been domesticated now? At which point is this fight? Uh, you had a 
very relevant role in this. So how do you see the situation now? Yes, well, Umberto, you asked a lot of questions there. Um, so I have, by the way, um, you know, I have an audience on um, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, and, and everyone's also very interested in Italy, uh, what's going on, because Italy's been really pumped up by the media as though it's in a very disaster condition. So I think it'd be good to have a lot of that put into context. But uh, just to step back, I think I, I want to go through each one of your points in a very careful, methodical way. I think the first thing that you brought up is that there was a lot of protests going on, right? Um, that's hap That happened globally. And right. the so I want to address that, but I want to address that in the context of um, why I'm running for United States Senate and where is the world potentially can go to. Uh, um, there is a very, very famous uh, anthropologist, I forget, forget his name, but he did some very interesting research work looking at the trajectory of various centuries. I think he looked at 12 different centuries throughout humankind. And what he noticed was that during the first 20 years, so 2000 to 2020 or 1900 to 1920, 1800 to 1820, like that, he found out something interesting that the trajectory of that entire century is set, which means how is that society going to evolve? during the first 20 years. I mean, it's just a fascinating, I think, mathematical pattern analysis at the turn of the century. And what he noticed was that uh, in those 20 years, it would be decided if that century would go into the dark ages, you know, fascism, uh, uh, oppression, or whether it would go into the golden age, right? So that's the first observation. And we're literally, literally at, I think, where are we in April? So we have about, you know, eight months left right in this century before it goes to 2021 so we're, we're literally at that inflection point and i think someone like me running for office is has been historically rare you know over the last 200 years typically it's been lawyers and lobbyists uh people from the wealthy families be it the kennedys right you or the rockefellers or the bushes um or some people promoted by those people like obama was promoted by the pritzker family right so the history has been there's some, it's always top down, including whether it's left or right, and, and whether it's a civil rights leader, right? And many of these events, even when people are starting movements, let's say for freedom, somehow the people on the top seem to get involved and control even those movements, right? We saw this with the civil rights movement, how really the Kennedy family took over and really uh, Bobby Kennedy, not the current Bobby, controlled, for example, Martin Luther King. And there's enough written on this. So it seems from always the history of human struggle has been taken over by the powers at the top. And But there have been times in history when we have a golden age, okay? When we move to a period in history where more people get freedom, where more art is there, more cre real art, great creativity, great literature. And that occurs when it comes bottoms up. And it's for truth, freedom, and health. And that has also occurred in history. And sometimes it occurs right in the brink of when people think they're the dark ages are gonna take place, which is sort of where we are at right now. And so when I consider someone like me running for office, you know, a scientist, I mean, just so everyone understands, people say I should always introduce myself because um, I, I think it's important. And, and I, I am doing it more of service to the audience, not to just pump myself up, because typically a guy like me who achieves um, you know, some of the accolades I've achieved, some of the money that I've made. Typically, we join the establishment. It is rare for someone like me 
to go back among the people, right? Because the thing is you climb the ladder and then when you're on top, you don't worry about any, anyone else. So first of all, I think people need to understand that I came from India as, you know, when I was a kid where we were considered untouchables. Untouchables are the lowest of the low. All right, so the fact my parents even got educated is really not about me. They were extraordinarily amazing people. You know, my mom died about seven years ago. My dad's still alive. But if you look at these people, they came from such, they came from nothing. Okay, so I grew up in the village that my dad came from at least a third of my life. So I was very fortunate. Most people today in the cities won't even go to villages because they hold their nose up, right? You don't go to the villages. But to me, my experience in those Indian villages was the most amazing experience. I mean, it was stuff I still remember, walking barefoot. Yeah, they didn't have electricity. They, yes, they didn't have a lot of money. Yes, they didn't have running water. But there was a organic nature to it, which I really loved. And you know, and here were my grandparents who were poor farmers, who, and I learned uh, Indian systems of medicine from my grandmother. So that's my upbringing. And then I similarly, when my family came to the United States, I grew up in Patterson, which is one of the poorest country, cities in the United States, pretty much all black. Then to Clifton, New Jersey. These are all in New Jersey, uh, which is pretty much the white working class. And then Persephone, same thing. And then the last three years, my parents moved to a very wealthy Jewish neighborhood, pretty much all white, because they had a very good high school system. My parents kept moving to the better public school systems because Indian parents really care about education. And I was a number one student out of all the 4,000 kids there. And a lot of people didn't like that. This was the 1970s. So I've had to always go against um, the establishment in some sense. But also when I grew up in New Jersey or in India, I remember everyday working people. Those are the people who taught me how to mow a lawn, to paint a house. I learned software programming, you know, where I created the first email system in Newark, New Jersey. Okay? So what I learned as a kid was that everyday working people are some of the smartest people I've met. They have a lot of common sense. They have a lot of skills. How old were you, doctor, when uh, you came out with the idea of email? Yeah, so the question is, how old was I when I came up with the idea of email? Well, I was 14 years old, okay? And the invention of email did take place in a collaboration, but not the collaboration of the deep state, of the military-industrial-academic complex. Email was invented by a 14-year-old kid in collaboration with a loving family who supported me, a mentor, Dr. Les Michelson, who gave me the opportunity, and then some high school teachers who changed the rules so I could go work as a full-time research fellow. So that was a collaboration, and it came from Newark, New Jersey, bottoms up. So this is something that everyone needs to appreciate, that the greatest inventions, I mean, look at Leonardo da Vinci, right? Look at all the great Art, art, they, it was always bottoms up and later someone supported them from top down. But it's always the greatest stuff has always come from the edges. The invention of TV, as I mentioned, took place by Philo Farnsworth. So I want to let people know that I feel very fortunate that I never forgot where I came from because I know at a deep level that that is where my, you know, all my uh, reality comes from, my truth comes from. And if any sense of brilliance I have comes from those people, okay? Because I know where the real people are. So that's where I come from. Now, because I know where I come from, and I'll never forget it, I've always been very motivated to work much harder, probably 10 times harder than the average person. Because I felt at a deep level that if I didn't work hard, that I was basically a parasite. 
because I know how little those people had and how hard they worked for me. So that's something very important that, you know, from a, a philosophical level, but at a educational level and from an achievement level, you know, I went to MIT, did four degrees from there. By the way, when I first came to MIT, I wasn't just your typical MIT student. I was one of the three students featured on the front page of MIT for inventing the first email system. A thousand students came in, so three out of those hundred students were highlighted by MIT. So in some ways, I was not even your typical MIT student, okay? So those people who, in the media, you know, these very, very stupid people, very corrupt people, very, very uh, insidious people who work for the deep state, we're going to actively go after them now because now it's war. You wake up and you realize the New York Times, you know, all these organizations, whoever they are, they're not working for the people. They actually work. They're deep state agents and all their stupid little reporters who many of them don't know math. They don't know engineering. They don't know science. They don't know how to analyze data. They probably don't even know how to mow a lawn or landscape because they were brought up by uh, very wealthy people, not even wealthy, but in, in surroundings. You, we've created a strata of people who know nothing about work, about nothing about hard work, or nothing about appreciation for people like myself and others listening out here who actually work for a living. So, so I want to tell you that's really my background. So, you know, my four degrees at MIT, in some ways, I already did most of it before I came to MIT. MIT actually benefits from a lot of people who come there. Okay, and they put their brand on them. So MIT got a lot of goodwill out of me because when I came to MIT, I did four degrees in engineering, my PhD in biological engineering. I was selected as a Fulbright scholar. I was also nominated for the National Medal of Technology Innovation uh, for the President's Award. I've given distinguished lectures all over the world. I'm recognized as a world leader in precision and personalized medicine and systems biology. And, you know, uh, four months ago, five months ago, I was invited to give the distinguished lecture at the National Science Foundation. Now, the, everyone listening should understand that the mainstream media, probably, I'm probably one of the most dangerous people out there to them right now. Because I has now completely consolidated the scientific establishment, completely consolidated the propaganda machine that they have, which is a fake news media completely uses big pharma or in, in the service of big pharma and then you internationally have the WHO and the CDC etc. These organizations fundamentally work in the interest of a very very small set of people and their goal is very simple power profit and control which is the opposition to truth freedom and health which is a foundations of the campaign that we're running in the United States. You know our fund fundamentals of our campaign is for truth, freedom, and health. And as a system scientist, when I look at that, and everyone listening can go to our website, shiva4senate.com, you know, you know, so for me, running for US Senate is not like, oh, I just wanna be a senator. I've always, for my study of political history, it is movements, bottoms up, that have always led the world into the golden age, into a real renaissance. It's not been top down. It has to be bottoms up. So to me, what excites me in a very fundamental way, the fake news media and the fake science establishment. By the way, many of these people in who will be bureaucrats for the rest of their lives, they're really not bright people. So I think, you know, as I talk about this, I think one of the most important things people need to understand is we have an opportunity to go to a golden age, 
If we start embracing leaders who come bottoms up like myself, who actually work hard, like everyone listening, most of the working people, we need people like one of us, right? And this was what it was at one point in history. If you look at the American history, you know, Washington was a surveyor. Jefferson was an architect, right? Franklin was a printer. He knew engineering. These people knew science, math, engineering. You know, there were plumbers and blacksmiths. People actually had skills. And it's time that people, everyone listening, realize that we have the choice. And we should obliterate all these lawyers, obliterate all these lobbyists, and it has to come bottoms up. And I'm sorry to say, all these people speak a good game, these celebrities and the Kennedys and all these people, they, they basically talk a good game, but they hang out with the same people, okay? To them, politics is a hobby. It's like they play golf, oh, let me go talk about, you know, I'm gonna help some people. It's none of it's really real to them. That is why, if, as I talked about, a guy like Robert Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, he can attack Gates, but at the same time, he says nothing against Clinton, okay? It shows that he's part of the game. It's not real to him. It's merely some exercise like playing polo or he does falconry, right? This is just a hobby. So I think people need to understand this. And this is uh, very important for our, uh, for our public in Italy. When you talk about in the middle of a dark age, you can create something that not only stop the dark age, but create a sort of new renaissance. It is done through people that begin to work in politics because they have as interest the common good, not you know some success like uh, in the Hollywood style. This is uh, this process is the same uh, you are describing the US. It's the same in Italy. You know, people now are on the verge of a dark age, but at the same time there is the energy and the push to go to Renaissance. And if we can. Uh, uh, really clarify who are the people who are trying to push us, who are the forces, how do they work? They want to push us in the new dark age. What can we do? And uh, then even the difference between countries in Europe, for example, and the United States is not so big. Because, you know, in a sense, ironically, I can say, thanks to globalization, now we know how to fight, fight against the globalizers. Uh, yeah. Yes, you know, you uh, you could become a rallying point in the U.S., but you become a rally, you know, become a rallying point in Italy because what you expressed in your previous interview on what the heck, uh, sorry, expression is this coronavirus? Why exist? Why became so predominant? Why stop the activity economic and otherwise of the world? Never happened, not even during the bubonic plague. Right. So, 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 Umberto, what you're saying is, even during the bubonic plague, did we not shut down everything like this? Right. Yeah. So, I think people need to understand this. You know, we're talking to Umberto. He's from one of the uh, largest independent TV stations, and we're doing this great interview. But one of the things, so I want to talk about that because part of this is to educate people on the systems here. So, if we could understand the system. Um, which I want to educate people, we can also understand how we can blow up this system, okay, and get to the kind of system we want. So you, you said something fascinating. Even during the bubonic plague, did we not have this kind of shutdown? Churches were open, people went, etc. 
So let's talk about the dynamics here because what we're really talking about is a systems dynamic, a political systems dynamics that's taking place. And I think one of the important things people need to understand is those people in power are not stupid. They're not stupid. They're extremely clever. You have consulting companies like McKinsey, who by the way, the Gates Foundation has given a lot of money to. What does McKinsey do? Look them up, M-C-K-I-N-S-E-Y. McKinsey is one of the global deep state consultants. And what McKinsey does is they create strategy, how to overthrow governments. They create strategy, how a big conglomerate can destroy another conglomerate. These are people who are paid full-time brain trusts of the establishment. And Bill Gates has used McKinsey to figure out this, this strategy. The interesting news is that, you know, having been at MIT in and out, I used to teach a course at Sloan School, one of the big business schools in the world. I have had the immense opportunity to be among all these people, so I know how they think. And the way they think, it, one of the weaknesses, they think you're stupid, okay? And so this is where we have an opportunity. But fundamentally, when you look at this situation, it is about power, profit, and control. So remember those three things, power, profit, and control. These, the individuals I'm talking about have another issue. They actually think they're better than you and me. Right, Umberto? They actually think they're better than you and me. And these people in many ways come from the understanding of what I observed in India, caste system. They actually think they're better. And that, that notion also needs to be understood. So we need to understand our enemy. First of all, they want power, profit, and control. They're really not into innovation. They're really not into great creativity. They're not really into um, humanism in the sense of you know, advancing the human race, advancing people's spiritual advancement, uh, none of that. These people are fundamentally about power, profit, and control. If you want to call there's an evil on this earth, that's what they are. So if and you- they, And they see any innovation, any new technological breakthrough, not as something that could be useful, but something that can give them more power. Exactly. Destroy everything they touch. Exactly, so this is a very interesting point Umberto just made. So when I was growing up in New Jersey, and when, in fact, if you look before the uh, you know, 1940s, inventors, artists, and if you look at the history of humankind, people didn't say, say I'm going to do this invention so I can make a lot of money. I'm going to do this because I want to build a big, huge company. People did it because of the human spirit. Wow, wouldn't this be cool if I could do this, right? It wasn't about, oh, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, this, and this, and make billions of dollars. However, if you look at people like Bill Gates, that's the way he thought about the world. Because if you look at him, he literally stole, frankly, someone else's invention because his mama and papa, wealthy lawyer, his mom was a socialite. Uh, he was able to buy someone's invention and flip it through his parents' contacts to IBM. That was called DOS, the disk operating system. That's really where he made most of his um, money. By the way, someone just uh, uh, told me that Andrew Cuomo, is using McKinsey in New York, okay? Rajat Gupta, who was ahead of McKinsey, was thrown in jail for insider trading with Goldman Sachs, all right? So what we're talking about is we're talking about the most evil people. The evil, most darkest brain trust is McKinsey. And they don't give a damn about innovation or advancement, et cetera. What they do care about is power, profit, and control. So you have to understand this. Bill Gates and Hillary Clinton, think of them as two of the same evil bodies, but in two different you know, 
and two of the same evil-minded people in two different bodies. So here's Bill Gates, who has the Melinda Gates Foundation, and here is Hillary Clinton, who has essentially the Clinton Global Initiative. These people are essentially frontmen, advertising frontmen, for trillionaires whose names we don't even know. And those, so in many ways, Bill Gates and Hillary Clinton are puppets in the grand scheme of things. Yes, they have $50 billion, but I can tell you, there are people who have 10 times, 100 times more money than Bill Gates and Hillary Clinton put together. But one of their goals is one of their biggest investments, those trillionaires, is the pharmaceutical companies, okay? Pharma and big agriculture. So pharma and big agriculture, think about what I'm talking about. Pharma and agriculture, what are they? It is what humans consume, what goes into our mouths. I think Henry Kissinger said, if you want to control people, control their, if you want to control a country, control their oil. But if you want to control people, control their soil, which means la tierra, right? I don't know how you say it in, in, in Italy. Huh? La terra. La terra, right? The, the earth, the ground, because, because the earth is like the operating system. Everything grows above it. So big agriculture companies like Monsanto, you know, Cargill, and then you have the big pharma companies. These two people, frankly, the more they can c control what goes into our mouths or what comes out of the soil, that's massive amounts of power, profit, and control. So you need to understand, but Bill Gates and Hillary Clinton actually serve that entity. They have monetary interest in it. And a guy like Fauci, is really their front man. He's like a little fly to them, okay? They're, he served them well, so they keep him around for the last four decades. But us figuring out Fauci and getting rid of him is a signal to them. Oh my God, the masses are waking up. And that's why it's important to fire Fauci. It's not him, because they'll replace someone else, but the dynamics of big agriculture and big farmer needs to be understood. So when I grew up on my grandparents' farm, everything was organic, everything was non-GMO. I went back five years ago and the farm is completely destroyed because many miles up there was a leather factory producing all sorts of chemicals and it's literally destroyed the soil. This is what's going on throughout the world. Indigenous people's farms are being destroyed. And then you replace big ag, big agriculture. And what does big ag produce? Well, they don't produce hundreds of different types of grains like Africa had. Before Bill Gates and GMOs and Monsanto went in there, they literally had hundreds, thousands of different types of diverse crops. But what we did was we promoted the picture of the, you know, the bloated baby, the poor dying African baby, Hollywood helped them. And this was all a big PR machine. And what it did was it was used to control the soil of Africa and India. So that we sold them, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, a glyphosate. We sold them the, petro you know, chemicals for agriculture. And then we said you can only grow three crops: rice, corn, and um, you know, soy. That's it. So we destroyed their entire base, and these people start having health problems now. Okay, then we give you our pharmaceuticals. Then we give you vaccines. So this is their business model. What is happening right now that people really need to appreciate is that big pharmaceutical companies are losing, Umberto, I think I shared this, I may not have, are losing enormous amounts of money from their pharmaceutical drugs. And the reason that they're losing money is because people like you and me and others are waking up. We wanna have organic food. We wanna understand how nutritional supplements work. We wanna do yoga. 
30 million people in the United States do yoga now. People are understanding, oh, maybe I should meditate. Maybe I should, maybe I should relax with my family. People are starting to wake up and they're realizing that I can control my health, medical freedom. So this is tanking pharmaceutical drugs. So in response to that, and I have some very good research which I'm gonna share with people, showing exactly how the Gates Foundation created Gavi, G-A-V-I, the Vaccine Alliance, and this was really a part of McKinsey's brain model. We're gonna create a vaccine alliance. And um, I, I think I have a graph here, I think I shared this with people, um, and this vaccine alliance, if you look at it, is really something quite extraordinary that I'm sharing here, is uh, for people on Instagram, I'll share this with you, and I'm, I'm sorry, uh, I can't share this with you, Umberto, but this vaccine alliance is called Gavi, and it's an integration of UNICEF, World Health Organization, you know, um, uh, research agencies, vaccine manufacturers, civil society, country governments, the World Bank, and UNICEF. So this is quite an extraordinary, extraordinary, extraordinary alliance. This is what they, this is their military industrial complex alliance. That's Gavi. Billion dollars the Gates Foundation put to it, and they did it with the Clinton Global Initiative. The Clinton Global Initiative got about 100 million through one of their sub-initiatives. So Hillary Clinton's here, and then you have Bill Gates here. Both know Fauci, and I have a diagram here, both are Fauci. So we need to understand these dynamics. Clinton Foundation, Bill and Melinda Gates. Fauci is the advisor, at least officially, of President Trump still at this moment. Yeah, Just Fauci's still the advisor. Yeah, Anthony and, Fauci. Right, and, and Anthony Fauci has been the advisor of nearly five, six other presidents, five other presidents, okay? So he is basically a deep state goon, okay? A little guy, but he's part of the establishment. He could not exist if it was not for uh, other people ensuring he existed, like the Gates, like the Clintons, etc., okay? So he exists because of that. Now, what I find fascinating is when you really think about it, you have Gates here, Hillary Clinton here. They work very closely together, but they have a global, they serve the global agenda. That's why they still exist. And that global agenda is to make sure top-down medicine, top what we go into our mouth, how we are treated, we become part of a large factory, the military industrial academic complex, and China in many ways. If you think about it, even above China, if there are a few set of trillionaires, China was their beta test. China is very profitable for them. You have a few set of people who control, treat everyone like dirt. They have a manufacturing model. They said, oh, look, we tested China. China's working. Let's export the Chinese model everywhere. That's what this is about. Top-down medicine, top-down agriculture, top-down innovation, top-down health. That's what we're looking at. And Hillary Clinton, Bill Gates, and now there's a new person on the block, Zuckerberg. He also wants to be part of this, right? It's like he wants to join the club. Another foundation, Chan Zuckerberg Foundation. And these foundations do something fascinating. They do not pay taxes. And yet they'll talk about, oh, inclusivity, diversity, I want to give my money away. Well, they're not giving their money away. They're taking it out of the public coffers, putting into their family foundation so people like Chelsea Clinton, who's a complete idiot, can get a professorship overnight at Columbia University, where you and I would never be able to get that, okay? Bill Gates' kids, I'm sure they eat organic food. I'm sure they don't eat you know, GMO pesticides in food. But the point is, we have to understand the Gates Foundation and the Clinton Global Initiative are really the PR machinery you know, 
along with Gavi, along with McKinsey, which is their brain trust, this little group of, and there are others, WHO, but they see the Chinese model as very, very efficient. You see, the Chinese model is wonderful. Why do we want democracy? Democracy is too difficult, be it in India or at US. Why do we want protests? And if you think about what's happened in the last, literally the last six months, no more protests in Hong Kong, no more protests in France. There were huge protests in Italy, weren't there, Umberto? There were huge medical freedom, anti-vaccine protests, if I remember, in Italy, yes. right? There were huge amount of protests right there. Well, they've all disappeared. The protests in Venezuela have gone. There are no more protests, right? And that's... No, thanks also well, what you are doing, but in general, I think people are, uh, I have the impression people are waking up from this because through the panic of the coronavirus, they make sure that people stop thinking, stop acting in their own interest. And I think now there is a sort of uh, the beginning of a reaction to this. I see this coming from, uh, let's say, the rank and file, but as it is also in the fact that now the President of the United States, Trump, is targeting the World Health Organization. We don't finance you anymore. Actually, we put you under investigation for what you have done. So it's from the bottom and from the top. Uh, do you think now this, let's call it this group, this gang, uh, the Clinton, uh, Gates, uh, uh, before I would put also Bush together, are now beginning to be on the defensive? Their plan didn't really work? What do you think? Yeah, so Umberto is asking a very interesting question. Does he think that the tide is turning and we're actually starting to figure things out? Well, one of the things that's happening is we're starting to see protests occurring. People want the lockdown to end. That's a good thing. We're also seeing, as you said, Trump is going after the World Health Organization. I can also tell you that in India, uh, India, the leadership in India is figuring this out. They're figuring out this guy Tedros was an agent of the deep state. The director, of the, the director of the World Health Organization is a complete pawn of the deep state. And you have the CDC. So you have the CDC in the United States, which in some ways is a, is a subsidiary of the WHO. And they set up CDCs everywhere. So you have the WHO and their subsidiaries, which is the CDCs. So the CDC, the WHO, and by the way, Fauci, the NIH sent funding, the National Institute of Health actually sent funding to the lab in Wuhan. And they also sent funding to the CDC, about 14 million. Uh, and this is just some basic investigation I've done. I haven't had a chance to go, I'm sure there's, there's so there all these people work very closely together. But the agenda, everyone needs to understand, the agenda um, is not public health. The agenda is control of people's health. And because pharmaceutical sales are dropping, their real goal is mandated medicine, which means everyone listening here or globally 7.2 billion people should be vaccinated that's their goal and in order to achieve that remember if you if you sell a drug like a heart disease drug or heart you know uh, uh, like Lipitor right or if you if you sell uh, different of their drugs they only have very narrow markets okay how many people okay 300 million people get heart disease okay but imagine having a market where you have 7 billion people all having to buy your drug without any competition. Now, no other business has to do that. I mean, I start my software company, I start Cytosol, I do whatever. I have to compete with others, I have to get sales. This is a model of no competition. 
Zero. Bill Gates huh? is talking openly in every interview about a market of seven billion people. Exactly. 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 Now, I have to take care of seven billion people. Talks like some, you know, some dictator lost his mind in megalomania. Yeah. So you have to understand. You made a very. Uh, I have been saying this since the first time this started. That this entire goal. Let's forget about conspiracy theories. Let's throw them aside for a second. Let's just look at this as dollars and cents. Their, pharma, their trillion dollar pharmaceutical industry is failing, right? It's failing miserably, it's coming down. And the opportunity for them is to save that industry. They are literally in, in a major problem right now. Trillions of dollars, a trillion dollar industry is failing. So their solution out of this is to take the vaccine industry and make it cover up for their losses. But in order to do that, they're thinking, wow, why should we even have to compete? So the Gavi organization is a, is, a, is a conglomeration of many different pharma companies, okay? Many different pharma companies. And if you actually look at it, what they've done is to basically divide up the diseases, okay? Okay, Merck will get all the HPV people. So 7.2 billion women uh, people will have to get the HPV vaccine. Okay, Merck, you get that business, okay? Gates Foundation, you support us, Gavi. Okay, we'll take the hepatitis 1B vaccine. Okay, that pharma company owns that. They've created a vertical model. In fact, Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer are very, you know, his former CEO, Nobis. It's called verticalization, okay? So they're creating verticals and they're giving exclusives. They're creating monopolies for their friends. $7.2 billion population. Now, think about what these people are thinking. You have to think from their standpoint. Okay, wow, how are we, now you go to marketing. They have their strategy. McKinsey laid out the strategy. This is the execution. We must create a compelling fear. We must make people so afraid. Propaganda machine, marketing, so they buy my product. And that fear is what they're doing right now. This is extremely well orchestrated. If you go back, it's money, 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 power, profit, and control, and Gates, and Hillary Clinton are there are really their front people. Right. And that's what's going on. And and, and this is something that's so simple to understand. If you uh, look, I'm not I'm not saying look, we can get into the conspiracy stuff. It's not even conspiracy. Deep state is not a conspiracy, it's a reality. But what I can tell you is if you just follow the money, pharma's going down the tubes, they need vaccines, and they're thinking, wait a minute, why should we ever let's have a recurring revenue model? Everyone has to get this vaccine. Every, for every pharma company will get their own source of revenue, stream of revenue. And as a part of that stream of revenue, they will have all agreed to create this fear, to be a part of this. And the, the people that stand in their way are populism, dissent, people rising from the bottom. So we have to shut that down. What better, what an amazing weapon that they've created, right? an infectious disease that can kill you and it can horribly destroy you. You know, so you have the people who don't like Trump, the people who don't like Modi, populist leaders, people who don't like Boris Johnson. So they've scared everyone. And the problem is many of the leadership, the surrounding people around them are also all part of Big Pharma. And that is why I think the content I've been sharing, the educational videos, the everyday people listening out there actually no, something doesn't make sense. And, and if I add, Dr. Uh, 
the destruction of the economy that is unheard of at this level. You stop the economic activity of the population of the planet. It's creating a situation in which the few big sharks can devour the dying fishes of the other company, the small, uh, even the small banks, uh, the, the, the medium and small business. And how do you stop this? I, I, uh, I see a reaction, for example, I saw the Attorney General of the United States, William Barr, that detected uh, you know, uh, Bill Gates by name. This is another good sign, but I see now like a resistance, atavic resistance of the population of the world to someone who wants to literally kill them, economically and otherwise, as any institution, democratic institution created in many centuries, uh, should have been destroyed. And again, is this, are we reaching the point in which their plan begin to go in tilt and there is a reaction, how can we organize this reaction uh, internationally? Uh, you mean, sovereign countries to sovereign countries, is what you were saying, you know, a country that is independent, that have a government that they can trust, or can create a government they can trust, is able to defend themselves. And then the Gates, the Clinton, became small peanuts, but only if we organize this kind of coordinated, institutionalized yeah. movement. So, so what Umberto is asking is what can we do now to create essentially a movement um, to combat this? I think what's happening, Umberto, is we literally have a civil war about to take place. And it's, it's happening right now. And the civil war is going to occur even in a much more powerful way as people wake up and they realize how much they've been lied to how much they've been lied to. And that's what we're doing right now. And that's really the hope that, you know, when I decided to run for Senate, I never liked electoral politics. And let me be clear about movements and how we make things happen. Everyone listening should understand that the lawyers and the lobbyists and the politicians have never done anything for people. It only occurs as a result of a movement. It, it's the movement that drives people. And they never want movements to take place, particularly bottoms up. Now, what's been occurring globally over the last 20, 30 years, these movements have been growing. And for example, the United States, Trump saw that the American working class was not being treated properly by both parties. So he literally was very um, you know, effective at taking, seeing that and building the Trump movement here. In India, Modi saw the same thing, where he saw the fact that the dynasty was being built there, the Gandhi, Nehru, and then his wife was running, uh, his daughter, Indira Gandhi, and then their son, Sanjeev Gandhi, and then they had their other son who was a complete drug addict who was going to run it. And then the mother-in-law ran it. So you had this whole dynasty, and, and, and the Indians were fed up with that. So Modi came in there. But it's been movements. So what is the foundation of that movement? So one of the important things to understand is there can be no movement w unless there is a real a, a theory, right? A revolutionary theory. And so this is something that I've been fascinated by, and that's why when you know I put forward this concept of truth, freedom, and health, it was really beyond just an idea. The issue is, what can we all rally behind? Because we have to get this clear mentally and emotionally and psychologically and, and theoretically and intellectually, okay? And that movement is truth, freedom, and health. 
And so we all have to understand what is it we want. We can't just be out there saying, you know, I don't, I don't like this. It is what is we want. And what I'm proposing, which is why I think the movement has arrived. This is why so many people are sharing all these videos. And that movement is we must have truth, freedom, and health. What does that mean? Freedom. Freedom means that we can have conversations without anyone's intervention. Without, but now we don't have that. We have Facebook, we have Google, we have three of the major telco companies who control all of our conversations. They can shut us off like that, literally. Now there was a time when the Postal Service of the United States was created by the founders of this country to ensure, what's that? Benjamin Franklin created. Benjamin, and why did they create the Postal Service? which is by the way again going out of business is because I could send you a communication and no one could interfere in fact the, the Postal Service has a police force if you interfered 20-year sentence in prison I don't know if people know, knew that they had their own police force so when email came as a guy who invented email I went to them and I said look you guys must create a public email service so it's not owned by private companies it's owned by us the people because the Postal Service is owned by us it's an interesting organization they thought it was a stupid idea. And now I, part of my campaign is Digital Rights Act. We must have the postal services of countries become the public commons providing services where we could all have our own YouTube, Facebook equivalents. Excellent idea. Yeah, it's a very, yeah. When I initially tell this people, people say, what are you talking about? But when you think about it, it's the only way out. We need to have the public commons, like we have the parks, right? and the open waters and the seas, you know, these are our public commons. So that's number one. That's, so we need to have freedom because without discourse and debate, you have Bill Gates is gonna control us. That's like a king, a czar, or Mark Zuckerberg and his wife, or Hillary Clinton, or, you know, Sergey Brin at Google. This is total oppression. And like you said, Umberto, as technology comes, it can be used for further consolidating power or for freedom. Just because technology occurs, and I can tell you this as a technologist, doesn't mean just because you have the internet, it's gonna be used for good. Just because you had the printing press, or just because the telephone came. Every time- 5G. Or 5G, right? 5G is basically for creating the surveillance state, separate from the issue of the biological issues, which I'm putting together a whole talk on for next week. But the fundamental issues, technologies come and they're fundamentally used by the state not to devolve freedom, but to actually control us even further. So this is something people need to, so we need to have digital freedom so we can talk. Why is it important to communicate? Why is it important to communicate and converse? Why? Because with communication, we can debate, we can practice the scientific method and the scientific method allows us to get to truth. But if you don't have debate, if you don't have conversations, what you end up getting to um, is scientific consensus. As you know, one of your, your own people in Italy, Galileo, right? Gal mm -hmm. right? He was basically, he had data that the, you know, the earth went around the sun and the Vatican and the Catholic Church destroyed him because they were scientific consensus that no, the sun goes around the earth. So, this is what starts happening when we go to scientific consensus. This, so, so that's the first solution. We must have freedom. We should uncompromising. And I, I'm proposing this called the Digital Rights Act. The second piece we all need to do is we have to have science again. 
We can have freedom, but if the freedom is for freedom for only a few, which is what's occurring, a few academics, because they get our tax dollars, they get lots of money that is our money, working people's money, and what do they do? A scientist gets his money, he does some experiment, he keeps the data to himself, it's our money. And then he publishes as he wants based on the influence of his department or big corporation. Let's say he actually has data showing that vaccines hurt people. He's not gonna publish it. So that data, that experimental data he does, the instant it's done, it should go to the cloud, the people's cloud, it's our data. All of us are pretty smart. All of us should be citizen science. Number two, that's how we get to truth. We have to destroy their power, take it back. Third, health. How do we get to health? Well, now you have truth. Now, how do we get health? Well, we need to make sure we get rid of, we decentralize healthcare, eliminate all the middlemen. Healthcare should be, there are a lot of very good people who went into medicine. There are a lot of people in alternative medicine, chiropractors and acupuncturists, massage healers. These people are amazing people. They actually help people. They should be respected. And the way we respect them is that healthcare should be between me and my healthcare practitioner, that one-on-one -on -one relationship not the state telling me what to do. This is Chinese medicine. And I don't mean Chinese medicine, I mean China, you know, top-down medicine, big pharma medicine, Bill Gates medicine, Hillary Clinton medicine. So- I think even, even China is a victim of, the, the Chinese are victims of this. Culture. Exactly, the, the Chinese themselves are victims of it. If you look at the history of many of these cultures, Chinese, Celtic, you know, it, many of these traditional cultures had amazing medicines. You know, they knew how to work the earth. They knew, I mean, people live very healthy. Yeah, they can do very well if you free the Chinese from, uh, let's say, the Gates, uh, Hillary, right. cancer. I think the Chinese people, or, you know, the Rockefeller or whatever, the Chinese people can do very well. Exactly. I have about a couple of minutes left, uh, Umberto, that I have to go. Oh. But, but I think um, we've had a good conversation here, but I think you really were really interested in systems. But I think the fundamental issue here is from a deep state perspective, the deep state has its players. They actually have created a, their little system, their machine, their operating system. We, their operating system is PPC, power, profit, control, okay? Our operating should be truth, freedom, health. Two different operating systems. And the way that we get to truth, freedom, and health is not following their way. We have to be follow this, a very different set of principles which I've talked about. But we have to be very clear, we want truth, freedom, and health. And we should be uncompromising in getting that. And I think we have an amazing opportunity. You know, we have, um, I feel very, very blessed to be able to be at this point in history, to be able to take all the enormous knowledge that I was able to acquire. You know, all the stuff I've learned about, I mean, I know all these, I know the enemy. I know the enemy really well, and I know all their weaknesses, and I know how to destroy them. And that's what we need to do. We must destroy this enemy because they do not serve the interests of people anymore. Bill Gates does not serve you or I. He serves himself. If he want, he keeps saying he wants to continue the shutdown, let him take all of his money, all of it, all of it. Let Hillary Clinton take all, all the people who want to continue the shutdown for, let him take all their money, Berkshire Hathaway, whoever the hell it is, and give that money, let them start writing out checks to everyone. Let them do it. Let them only keep maybe twenty, fifty thousand dollars Let them actually go do some work. Let him maybe go get a job as a, uh, you know, do some really work, like as a nurse 
or a landscaper, you know, as a software engineer, let him get back to work and let him take all of his money and devolve it to everyone else. If he truly believes what he wants to do, let him do that first. But until then, these guys are completely full of nonsense. So um, anyway, Umberto, maybe you can finish up telling us a little bit about Italy, what's going on there right now. I think everyone here would like to know. Maybe you can tell yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. In Italy, um, for what I, I could see, people are now slowly coming out from this hypnosis, I call it, of the panic. Because panic doesn't make you think. If you are forced to stay home for a month and watch TV all the time and watch people dying, whatever they tell you, you are incapable of reacting. But now I think I begin to see a sort of reaction. One of the interesting things is that these forces that you identify with the Bill Gates, uh, Hillary, Bush gang. The equivalent in Europe would be the bureaucracy of the European Union. They are very close in terms of financial interest and so on. And they choose exactly this moment to try to force the Italian government to accept a so-called mechanism of, uh, of stability, the, the MES, mechanism of European stability. Uh, that means that if you want to receive credit for the situation loans, you have to accept certain conditionalities. The same conditionalities that reduce the country like Greece to a disaster with mass suicide, people impoverished to a level never before. And they are still trying every, every possible way to force the government to accept this uh, mechanism. Now, the if we had the movement coordinated between the US and Europe and Italy, we could do a lot about it. You know, we have a, an important senator, an important leader like you that could be uh, much more later on. Uh, this will give uh, us the possibility to fight in specific against these people. I remember uh, President Bush two years ago proposed, according to many media reports, many that the U.S. would buy the debt of Italy, would buy bonds from Italy, free Italy from this constant blackmail by these financial forces linked to uh, Bill Gates and company. Um, nothing happened officially, but I know that recently uh, Trump passed the, uh, the measures to help Italy in, uh, in terms of coronavirus, also financially. This will be an extremely good signal. Even discussing about the fact that Italy could escape, escape the financial blackmail during the coronavirus yeah. could be a great thing. And so, I hope, Dr. Shiva, that we will be able to have another interview. Maybe we can organize something with, the, uh, you know, with a lot of people in Italy that you can have. A, yeah, like let's a do that. That, that'd be teleconference or something, and we can begin to coordinate. You know, you could be uh, um, our uh, reference point in the United yeah, States. Yeah, well, Umberto, I think we should do that. I think in closing, one of the important things what we need to also understand is the establishment is doing the deep state is doing two many different things here, and it's very very well coordinated. First, 
They've created the fear. So as I put in my first tweet that I put out there that I think I, uh, what I said was, look, as an MIT PhD in biological engineering and someone who really understands the immune system, what I see occurring here is to collapse economies, number one. Number two is to suppress dissent, stop people from fighting against the state. And three, the goal here is to impose mandated medicine. So there, there's a three-part goal that they have. Right. And what you're just saying is, as Umberto just shared, the goal is to make us so afraid. I think uh, I think it was what uh, the number is. I'm just looking here. I, I keep track of this. The number of people that are now out of uh, jobs, I believe, is 17 million. Okay, uh, 17 million or 15 million in the United States. Okay, who filed for unemployment? This is what this has created. Okay, we've created a world where people are so afraid to go and work that. The state is telling them it's better to stay home. A friend of mine runs a construction company. He said, Shiva, I can't get my guys to work. They're making more money staying at home. So what they're doing is they're scaring people and putting people on welfare systems temporarily to have them fall in line like sheep. And then the goal is you depress the U.S. economy, you depress the Italian economy, and you hold them by the throat. And then you buy their assets. Okay, or you tell all of them, look, World Bank or someone will give you money, but all your people must get mandatory vaccines, for example. And when people do these deals, so basically you crack, just think about this. Imagine someone coming, take it individually so you understand this. Imagine someone coming and basically destroying your business, destroying your business. You're running some business. And then they say, hey, Bob, in order for me to save your business, you will make sure that you, you will vaccinate all your kids. You will make sure you only eat these genetically engineered foods. And then if you do, I'll give you some money, okay? That's what's fundamentally going on. You crash it and you have the deep state people, China, which has a lot of reserve American dollars, can literally come in and buy assets. They've already bought a lot of US assets for next to nothing. And then Americans in this country or Italians because if the, if the owners of these assets or the owners of the loan givers of these assets are the few trillionaires, we are all essentially gonna be renting from them because people won't be able to afford mortgages for their homes. So that is where this is going to. So I hope this was valuable, but I think the key takeaway people need to understand is we have a huge opportunity to win if we recognize what our goal is, truth, freedom, and health, if we recognize the powers want power, profit, and control, if we recognize the players here, people like Fauci and Gates, they're part of a system of oppression. And the tip of that spear that they're using right now is fear about infectious disease to force us to give up all of our rights. That's what this is about. And when you give up your rights, they can force mandate vaccines. They can take your economy. They can own your assets. So we need to recognize the letter that I wrote to President Trump, which is, this is nonsense. If, if the immune system, go back to the true science, is very strong. It's that people who are dying from this are not everyone. They're a particular set of people who are immunocompromised. Now, what the establishment wants to do is they want to make all of us immunocompromised, but that's for a whole other thing. The more people that are sick, the more people can sell them more pharmaceutical medicines, etc. But anyway, Umberto, I have to go and it was it was great uh thank you and i I, i'm sure our viewers worldwide appreciate you and and by the way everyone if they're listening in italy 
you know, I want to let people know that one of the things I've done is, you know, I am very much, as I mentioned, into education. And everyone in Italy listening should know that I've created a tool called Your Body, Your System. Your Body, Your System. And a whole course thing called Systems Health. And everyone listening, maybe just wait because I just, anyone uh, understanding this should know that one of my goals here is to teach people um, system syncing. You know, and this, this really came out of a lot of my research work. When I finished up my PhD at MIT, you know, I went back to uh, India and I did some really cool work because I wanted, because I saw people getting healed by my grandmother's approach. I've seen incredible healers, not medical doctors, acupuncturists, and I mean, and as a scientist, you have to look at this. You can't say, oh, they're idiots, okay? So what I discovered was I put together a whole course program. When I went back to India, I literally integrated Eastern and Western medicine, and I put back, I created my own little university called Systems Health, and people can go here. It's accessible to anyone. We made it very, very cost-effective. People can go learn systems thinking. They can go take a series of 15 hours, and 15 hours I can teach them about 50 years of knowledge very quickly they and then they can also become teachers one of my goal is to decentralize this people can take my course i'll give you some more courses you can learn how to teach and then you can go start your own system self university decentralization and the other capabilities that i've done is as a part of that immediately now for people internationally because people internationally can't support our campaign um but i created a tool called your body your system and your body, your system is a very powerful tool that teaches people at a very personal level what kind of body that they are from a systems approach. How foods and, and, and bad habits can take them away from their own homeostasis and then how you can bring them back to who they are. And this is not about just health, but this is fundamentally using these tools so people start saying, wait a minute, my body is a system and it is interconnected. They're the forces of transport, conversion, and storage, the same forces that go through the computer or, or through the you know, electricity. All these forces exist in my body, engineering systems principles. And then what I further did, Umberto, was that I also created a way that, because our campaign for US Senate is more than just me winning a Senate seat, it's about building a movement. If I just thought, oh, I wanna win a Senate seat, and then after I win the Senate seat, I'm gonna be a Senator, blah, 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 it's all nonsense. You, one man, cannot fight the establishment. But what one man can do is I can put forward, use that platform as a powerful platform for having a huge megaphone, which is what we're building here. And the megaphone that we have the opportunity to have is a platform for truth, freedom, and health. So they donate to the campaign. Typically, most of these lawyer lobbyists who take people's money, they don't give them anything. They say, after I'm elected, right? Then I'll give you this. Our goal is when you support our campaign now, I actually give due to the economic distress, donate whatever you can. And if you and everyone listening, if you can't even donate five or or you know ten bucks as people even in Italy, everywhere, you know, for your butt, give whatever you can or write to me directly, VA Shiva at VAShiva.com or go to VA Shiva slash contact and there's a web form. I can show you this. So people know that you can also take advantage of a scholarship, okay? So that's what we wanna do. We really wanna build a movement here. And, and um, so everyone should support the campaign. Everyone should learn system thinking and let's build a movement for truth, freedom, and health. <coughs> thank, thank you, Umberto. Thank you.
we had like a conference with the Italian public and American public at the same time. Yeah, so this is a good. You, you can you can say you can say goodbye to all the you can say goodbye to all the Instagram followers. You can say goodbye to them. Yeah. Bye. Thank you very much. Let's okay. Keep Grazie. Let's together against the common enemy. Yes. For the common good. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Umberto. Be well. Thank you.